Thank you for listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help you win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, come and see us and join the Passion Church family. Visit our Facebook page or our website at passionchurchmo.com to find out more about us. So, Jeremiah, the 18th chapter. This is a word that I'm really excited about. Uh, we've, had, we've had two weeks of great message. The Lord has just really laid out some good stuff for us. And this is the conclusion of the Misshapen series. And I really think uh, I want you to lean in today because this one is really going to put the exclamation mark at the end of what has been stated here. Are you ready? Verse 18, chapter 18, verse 1. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hands of the potter, so he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. Aren't you glad that, that one time through isn't always the end of your story? Sometimes when things don't go so well, God can take a situation that we've gotten misshapen in and rework it until it's a, it's a work of art. And that, that sounds like my God. How about you? Then, verse 5, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? I love this. He's asking them, will you be pliable in my hands, saith the Lord. Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. Mm. But... It doesn't stop there. Verse 7. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it? And if that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it. If it do evil in my sight that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said, and I would benefit them. Now therefore go to speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I frame evil against you and devise a device against you, and return ye now everyone from his evil way and make your ways and your doings good. And they said, There is no hope, but we will walk after our own devices and we will everyone do the imagination of his evil heart. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, ask ye now among the heathen who hath heard such things, the virgin of Israel hath done a very horrible thing. Will a man leave the snow of Lebanon, which cometh from the rock of the field, or shall the cold flowing waters that come from another place be forsaken? Because my people have forgotten me, they have burned incense to vanity, and they have caused them to stumble in their path or in their ways from the ancient paths to walk in paths in ways not cast up, to make their land desolate and a perpetual hissing. In other words, it was so loathsome that everybody that drove, that walked by or came by or saw it actually, actually in ancient culture, cursed it, basically, when they came by. And everyone that passeth thereby shall be astonished and wag his head. And I will scatter them as with an east wind before the enemy, and I will show them the back and not the face in the day of their calamity. In other words, I will turn my back on their wickedness. Then, then said they, Come and let us devise devices against Jeremiah, for the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. 
Come, let us smite him with the tongue, and let us not give heed to any of his words. In other words, let's berate him verbally. Give heed to me, O Lord, and hearken to the voice of them that contend with me. Shall evil be recompensed for good? For they have digged a pit for my soul. And remember that I stood before thee to speak good of for them and to turn away thy wrath from them. In other words, he's talking to God now. He's saying they're turning on me because I gave them your message. Therefore deliver up their children to the famine and pour out their blood by the force of the sword, and let their wives be bereaved for their children, and be widows, and let their men be put to death, and let their young be slain by the sword in battle. Let a cry be heard from their houses when thou shalt bring a troop suddenly upon them, for they have digged a pit to take me, and hid snares for my feet. Yet the Lord... Yet, Lord, thou knowest all their counsel against me to slay me. Forgive not their iniquity, neither blot out their sin from, from thy sight, but let them be overthrown before thee. Deal thus with them in this time of thine anger. And thus saith the Lord, Go and get a potter's earthen bottle, and take of the ancients of the people and of the ancients of the priest. And go forth unto the valley of the son of Hinnom, which is by the entry of the east gate, and proclaim there the words that I shall tell thee. And say, hear ye the word of the Lord, O kings. And he just continues and he goes on. But move with me now quickly down to verse number 11. And Thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, even so I will break this people and this city with one as one breaketh a potter's vessel that cannot be made whole again. And they shall bury them in Tophet until there be no place to bury. Thus I will do in this place, saith the Lord, to the inhabitants thereof and even to the city of Tophet. Now, I want you to understand that as this moves on into verse 20, look at, look at with me at um, verse, chapter 20, verse, thank you, verse 1. Now Pasher, son of Emmer, I'm reading out of the, the Amplified, the priest who was also chief officer in the house of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things. Then Pasher beat Jeremiah, the prophet. Who beat him? The church beat him and put him in stocks that were at the upper Benjamin gate by the house of the Lord. Jeremiah paid a price for this message. Jeremiah paid a price. I know this was lengthy reading, and especially reading out of the King James, it gets a little bit tedious. But here's what was said in this. I want you to understand something. Yes, we live in the day of uh, in the age of grace. Who could say amen for that? Aren't you glad for Jesus' grace? We live in that. But uh, I'll get to it, but I want you to understand something. Just because God is merciful and filled with grace does not mean he doesn't judge. Doesn't mean he will not judge. In fact, in Revelations, we see him coming with fire in his eyes, hair white as wool. He's coming to exact judgment upon those who have scorned his word and scorned his truth and purposely, maliciously went against him in order to pervert the nations. Mm. Remember when we started this, we talked about the fact that God wants a people and that that people make up his church. And that church should be the influence of what society looks like. Society is supposed to look like the church because the individuals who make up that church love God with all that they have. Are you with me so far? Everybody's looking like, oh, my gosh, where are we going today? Would you put the title on the uh, screen up there for me today? We're going to talk today about being molded or broken. Molded or broken. Now, 
Ladies and gentlemen, judgment is coming to the nation because, and this is what Jeremiah is saying, you are no longer willing to be pliable in my hands. You are hardened and stiff-necked. And Jeremiah was beaten and placed in stocks for this message, and he was placed in, in this punishment not by society. He was placed and made a gazing stock for the nation by the church. And a nation is in trouble when the church has lost its way. When the church is no longer pliable between the hands of the potter, you better look out because a breaking soon will come. Now God will crush a pliable, moldable, bendable vessel when it gets misshapen as we've talked about. He'll crush it and make it anew. Aren't you glad for that? I've had several remakings in my life, and I'm glad that God can repurpose my life and take me where he needs me to go. As we stated with the misshapen uh, life, that self-will can get us out of shape and out of God's will and intended purpose. So our very first message was when we get too self-willed and misshapen and there's, I listed a myriad of things that can throw us into misshaping and some of them are just calamities that come because the enemy wants to get you out of the will of God. And so a calamity will come and when it comes it feels unfair, it doesn't feel right and it causes us to rebel. And when we rebel between the hands of the potter, even though we're starting to shape and look like a beautiful vessel, suddenly we can become something the potter can no longer work with. And so in order to get us into the place of his will where he needs us, oftentimes, as we talked about last week, when we get misshapen, uh, he, will, he, he will take those vessels that do not repl- uh, remain pliable and have those misshapen moments, and he will crush it in on itself. How many have ever had those moments when you felt like a life was just crushing in on you? And it seems cruel, and it seems hard at the moment, but every crushing in my life, when I went through divorce, I got crushed. When I went through bankruptcy, I got crushed. When I got out of the will of God, I got crushed. And I've been crushed several times. And even in the midst of ministry, there have been times when the Lord, Dan, had to crush me again and start over. And even when we came here to Cameron, we were... We were in an already a successful ministry. Things were going. Things were happening. But the Lord said, I'm not through with you because up to now you've been the young man ministry, but now it's time for you to get into fatherhood. And he crushed me again. And he crushed me again to give me a father's heart because it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about us bringing revival to a region that is thirsting and hungering like never before. Unsuspecting people outside of these walls are waiting to hear a message of hope. They need to know that they can win. They need to know that there are people who are willing to reach into the Word and reach up to God to reach out to them. They need to know that there are a people in this region who, who have a heart for them, desire to help them, and will, are willing to stay on the potter's wheel and be fashioned no matter how many crushings need to come to get us to look like what the Father desires us to look like. <laughs> God is good, amen. But what happens when the clay resists his shaping? What happens when we harden in a way that's contrary or against the potter's purposes? Chapter 19, verse 11, he says, I will break this people and city as one breaks a potter's vessel. I want you to understand something. God still judges. That doesn't mean that his grace isn't extended. His grace is extended to whomsoever will. But if a a people in a region becomes stiff-necked, And the churches in that region follow suit. And there's not a remnant left preaching the truth. Then it's time for God to break 
that situation. If there's no one willing to be crushed and remolded, then all that's left is judgment. Is this too hard in 2018? Because if it is, I'm going to send someone back to you with a pacifier, and we will help you today. (laughs) I don't suggest any of you young preachers to go out and preach like that. Now, I want you to understand something, that even though God says, I will break this people in this city as one breaks a potter's vessel, the Lord is patient even in judgment. God doesn't just immediately judge a region. God is long-suffering, as he was in Jeremiah's day. This young kid who was given the mouthpiece calling of God to stand before a people in fear and trembling and tell them if you don't turn, judgment will come. And he paid a price and he was beaten and had death threats on his life and made a gazing stock. But his message never changed because in those moments while people were making fun of him and he had a moment or two when he backed up and thought, maybe this isn't worth all of the trouble. He said, I can't keep quiet. It's like a fire shut up in my bones. I've got to speak the word of God. I've got to let people know there's a better way. I've got to let people know if we don't turn, we will have a judgment upon us and a breaking will come and the father has given his mercy to me to let me know that he's willing to work with us and reshape us and remold us and start again if he needs to and crush in whatever needs to be crushed in so that it can be brought back to life but if we stiffen too much if we harden too much then we're going to end up in a judgment I want you to know that revelations backs this up because it talks about a time when the mindset around the world globally becomes the mindset of the Antichrist. And when Jesus comes, he comes riding in judgment because the church has been swayed by society and will no longer preach the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. They they, they get to that place where, where they just compromise with whatever comes down the pike and they preach whatever sounds good to the ears of those that they can keep coming to fill up the padded seats. But what they don't understand Stand is if you give up the oracle of God and do it your way, judgment will come. Wow. Some of you are looking at me like, what happened to our poor, sweet little pastor? Yeah, the Lord is patient in judgment. He's patient when misguided, misshapen people start to rebel. He reserves his judgment. He holds it back. And first he sends his messengers to bring the message to repent, turn around, stay pliable. And when small interest society demands their way, they begin to sway leaders of society and the church to make concessions for their misshapen rebellion to God's word. And when the church begins to agree instead of resist the misshaping of society, then the whole of society accepts the small interest group as right. Thus bringing judgment upon the whole, the mass, the city, and the nation. God is patient, wishing that none should perish. But God will not be mocked. He's the potter. He has the right to judge. I do not. He judges the individual vessel as a potter looks for the flaws. I brought these pots today because even though they're not fancy, they have the desired shape of the potter that created them. This is what he had in mind. And so it has a useful purpose. Every lady here knows what the purpose for this is. You put a pretty plant in there. This one's got a hole in it. I can see you. And some of you who are really creative cook bread in these. Ooh, that's good, too. Only a fat man would think so. But when the potter's done, he looks at that vessel. And I want you to understand something. This vessel wouldn't make the potter's cut. You can't see this, but this vessel has a... I grabbed the right one. This one has a tiny crack in it. Can you see that, Dan? 
You see that little crack right there? It's real, it's real tiny. It's real fine. I don't know if you can see that. It's just real fine. You see that crack in that? I could pass it around. <laughs> but it's got, a, it's got a tiny, fine crack in it. So that means that this vessel is breached. And while this vessel was wet, the potter, if he would have caught that, would have crushed it. And started over. But now that it's dry. Now that it's dry, you can't change it. And God can't change a hardened heart. Rather, it's an individual or a group or a church or a nation. Worthless. Some of you, please, if you know CPR, would you come help charity? <laughs> mm. So, God brings judgment to the individual. He brings judgment to the whole collection of vessels, such as a township or a region. And he will bring judgment to the whole of his entire work of mankind, if need be. You say, really? Yes. We've seen God's judgment throughout the Old Testament. Started in the garden, did it not? You ladies bear witness to that every time you have one of those sweet little children that there's been a curse spoken. Every time we have to punch a time clock, gentlemen, do we not, our shoulders, do, do our shoulders not drop just a little bit? Because we understand we're under a curse. We were judged through Adam. Noah had a flood, took out the entire world. At the Tower of Babel, the king witnessed division. In Egypt, they suffered plagues. In Sodom, fire and hail fell from the sky. And Israel has been given over to her enemies on countless occasions. Thank God Israel will never again go away as a nation, even though her enemies still desire to take her out. Nineveh is just one example of God's merciful intention. He never wants to destroy. He wants compliance. God never wants for a city to go to the wayside. That's why he took... Somebody help me. What's, a, what's, what's his name? Jonah, thank you. Took Jonah out of his everyday norm and said, I want you to go to Nineveh. And he didn't want to go. Not all of us are really compliant when God asks us to do something. He didn't want to go. You know the whole story. I won't go into the whole story. But he also got the world's first submarine ride because God's very persuasive. Yeah. <laughs> that ain't a fun submarine ride either. But it's no wonder that city turned when he came up on the shore. Nothing like riding around in the belly of a fish for three days, being bleached white and have seaweed wrapped around your head, and get regurgitated right upon the shore, and you run through the city still bleached white going, Repent! God's going to kill you! That make me want to turn. Mmm, mmm, mmm. But squeamish church people say God doesn't judge anymore. Really? It's the New Testament. We're in the age of grace. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. We are. <laughs> but those squeamish people don't fully understand the intent and purposes of God. 
Because God's original intent and purpose for man was to populate the earth with the caretakers who desire, uh, whose desire was for God and their purpose was to carry out his will upon the earth. Bringing a submission to the intents and the purposes of God to, uh, to the earth and, and, and the same as it was in heaven. In other words, to make the earth look like the citizenry of heaven. Submitted unto God, worshiping God at any given moment, carrying out the Father's will at any moment of the day. God wanted a people to love him in mutual exchange and being free will moral agents to choose him and his desire over the individual will and desire of man. And he left in the hands of Adam all of this assignment, but we as mankind through Adam failed our mission and chose to misshapen before that generation and had even began to procreate the next. In other words, before they sired any children, they already fell. And if you think any of us would do any better, don't you go beating up on Adam and don't you go beating up on Eve. Ain't a one of us would have done any better. They did it in the midst of paradise, walking with God every day physically. So now for 4,000 years... 4,000 years later and in innumerable judgments and wars and famines and plagues and pestilence and diseases later. After the fall of Adam, God sends his own son. A unique, one of a kind, fully man, fully God. The victor of mankind and the champion of heaven. He has him live out before the church and society how to shape a nation through obedience to God and to his word. Showing us that the frustration on the father's face is misinterpreted as a desire to judge. When in fact it is a desire to save that which is misshapen and lost from their God, their purpose, and their destiny. God doesn't want to come with fire in his eyes. He wants to come and scoop us up. That's why Jesus is the final judge and not the heavenly father because it was always the father's intention to wrap us in his loving arms and to get us where we needed to go. But he is the fullness of holiness. He cannot stand in a sinful situation. That's why he devised that Jesus would come and work for us and stand in for us and show Show us how it's done and then give us the victory that Jesus won knowing that none of us in a fallen sinful condition could ever get ourselves ready to be translated into the presence of our awesome almighty God. But through Christ Jesus we can back up into what he has done for us through his grace and have faith in what he has done and we can be more than conquerors in this life living through him. But because of the stiffened refusal of mankind and their disregard for God's law and desire to make God out of anything else but him. Their treason requires a judgment be rendered. So while society plugs its ears like a rebellious four-year-old child, We now stand without excuse if we do not appropriate the work of mercy on the cross brought by Jesus. He did what we could not do. He lived without sin. And he fulfilled the Father's desire for us by obedience to live the kingdom principles here on the earth. To subdue, to overcome, to annihilate the works of the devil. To conquer sin, sickness, disease, death, hell, and the grave. Could anyone in this room have done that? 
Could anyone streaming could have done that? I dare say no. There's not one human being left on planet earth on, walking on terra firma who could do it or ever did it. Only one unique, one of a kind son of God was the only one who could come and do it. Not born of the seed of man, but born of the seed of the Holy Spirit. And he came and did for you what you could not do. Now all we have to do is live in his victory. Man, I'm having fun. Though society around the world scoffs and mocks the gospel around the world as a whole, Jesus' work is still moving forward. In other words, God's not done yet. Aren't you glad for that? Mm. Though religions of all kinds have been developed to detour attention away from the one true message of hope, Jesus still moves forward. Though the Antichrist spirit seems to be squeezing society as a whole globally now, in the remnant, Jesus is still on the move. Across the world, Africa is experiencing the march of Jesus Christ. Though it's outlawed in the Orient, Jesus is marching with the underground church and they hear the heartbeat of the master. For 70 years the gospel was outlawed and forbidden behind the iron curtain and yet today the gospel is reaching record numbers of souls in Russia and West Germany. Even in the Middle East and all of the, the Muslim nations that have outlawed Christianity, I want you to know as, as as notorious and volatile as those nations are, they are being evangelized by real Christian evangelists who are giving their lives in exchange for telling someone that there's good news. Christ has paid the price. Christ has done it all. All you got to do is live in him. There's record numbers of reports coming that people are having, uh, having Jesus and come right out and speak to them. I don't understand that. I'm not here to lift all that up. All I'm saying is God will get the job done one way or another, but Jesus is still on the move in 2018. So, <laughs> what's it going to be for Passion Church? What's it going to be for Cameron? What's it going to be for our region? What's it going to be for Missouri? What's it going to be for the United States? Real quickly, I'm at, I'm at the zero hour, so real quickly turn with me to Romans. I may have to pick and choose for time's sake. Turn with me to Romans. The first chapter. I'm going to read out of the Amplified a little bit wordier than the King James, but I think you'll get it. Chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel or the good news of Christ, for it is God's power working unto salvation for deliverance from eternal death to everyone who believes with a personal trust and a confident surrender and firm reliance to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the gospel a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed both springing from faith and leading to faith, disclosed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith. As it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live and live by faith. Verse 18, for God's holy wrath and indignation are revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who in their wickedness repress and hinder the truth and make it inoperative. For that which is known about God is evident to them and made plain in their inner consciousness, but God himself has shown it to them. 
For ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature and attributes, that is his, his eternal power and divinity, have been made in, intelligible and clearly discernible in and through the things that have been made, his handiworks. So men, are you listening, church, are without excuse altogether without any defense or justification because God placed it in every heart of every man to just stop and look around the world and know there is a creator. Verse 21, because when they knew and recognized him as God, they did not honor and glorify him as God or give him thanks, but instead they became futile and godless in their thinking with vain imaginations and foolish reasonings and stupid speculations, and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Professing to be smart, they became simpletons of themselves. And by them... The glory and majesty and excellence of the immortal God were exchanged for and represented by images resembling mortal man and birds and beasts and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their own hearts to sexual impurity, to dishonor, to the dishonoring of their own bodies among themselves, abandoning them to the degrading power of sin. Because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever, amen, so be it. For this reason, God gave them over and abandoned them to vile affections and degrading passions. For their women exchanged their natural function for an unnatural and abnormal one. And the men also turned from natural relations with women and were set ablaze, burning out, consumed with lust for one another. Men committing shameful acts with men and suffering in their own bodies and personalities the inevitable consequences and penalty of their wrongdoings and going astray, which was their fitting retribution and so since they did not see fit to acknowledge God or approve of him or consider him worth the knowing God gave them over to a base and condemned mind to do things not proper or decent but loathsome until they were filled and permeated and saturated with every kind of unrighteousness and iniquity and grasping and covetous greed and malice they were full of envy and jealousy and murder and strife and deceit and treachery and ill will and cruel ways. They were secret backbiters and gossipers and slanderers, hateful too, and hating God, full of insolence and arrogance and boastings, inventors of new forms of evil, disobedient and undutiful to parents. They were without understanding and consciousness and faithless and heartless and loveless and merciless. And though they are fully aware of God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve to die, they not only do them but approve and applaud others who practice them. Are you still with me? Have I lost anyone? Chapter 2. We're almost done. Therefore, you have no excuse, defense, or justification, O man, Whoever you are, who judges and condemns another, for imposing as judge and passing sentence on another, you condemn yourself because you who judge are habitually practicing the very same things that you censor and denounce. But we know that the judgment, the adverse verdict and sentence of God falls justly and in accordance with truth upon those who practice such things. And do you think or imagine, O oh man, when you judge and condemn those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape God's judgment and elude his sentence and adverse verdict? Or are you so blind as to trifle with and to presume upon and to despise and underestimate the wealth of his kindness and forbearance and longsuffering and patience? And are you unmindful? Sure, I got the right one. Are you unmindful, actually ignorant of the fact that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repent, to change your mind and your inner man, to accept God's will? Last verse. But by your callous stubbornness and impatience of heart, 
you are storing up wrath and indignation for yourself on the day of wrath and indignation when God's righteous judgment or just doom will be revealed. Austin, if you'd make your way to the keyboard. I know this is a real sobering way to end this. But if I stand up here and tell you something other than the truth, then I have to answer to God. And I don't want to stand before one soul on the day that judgment is brought and have to face God for why I didn't tell someone the truth. Sometimes in counseling it gets difficult because we have to tell people the truth. But remember, the truth sets you free. And sometimes you have to tell people the truth that they don't want to hear about themselves. None of us like it. It's not pleasant to know that we're filled with weakness. But it's certainly human to be filled with weakness. I don't come at you to tell you a message like this to judge you. I come to warn you. I love everyone under the sound of my voice. Even if I've never met you and you're streaming, I have a love in my heart for people. But I'd be derelict in my duties if I don't tell the truth. And I don't want to stand before God and say, I let society shape me. I don't want to be like Moses and let two bad reports nullify ten positive ones. They could have made it to the promised land a whole lot sooner. But because of the will of one man, the whole was delayed. And died in the wilderness. Not ever tasting of the fruit of the promise. God has a desire for us to grow up. He has a desire and a shape for our life. There's a, a scripture, I, I didn't have time to bring it up today, but there's a scripture that says God makes all kinds of vessels. Some are for honor. In other words, they're seen. Maybe, maybe they're in a place of position with the city or with the government or with the state. And he uses them there. And then some of us are vessels that are used for everyday use in the house of the potter. And some of us are the rare china that get pulled out when company comes. And we're taught to be content with however God has shaped us. And not do like the clay did. <laughs> it said, really God, you made me like this when I really wanted a handle. That would make a nice coffee cup, wouldn't it? Everybody's freaking. They just think I'm going to crash this thing. I can see the panic. There's just panic all over the building. I think you got the message. If I crush another one of these, it would just be redundant. Look at what happens to those things that have been judged. Now, I could glue those pieces together, but it'll never be what it was. It can't be remade. It cannot go back to a pliable stage. It's really worthless now. It's scattered all over the floor. It can't pull itself back together. It could cry for the potter to help it, but the potter's helpless to fix it now. And God has chosen us to take something this simple to our city, to our region, and apparently to over 50 countries of the world. The world needs to know someone still believes The world needs to know someone still 
believes the word of God. The world needs to know that God is long-suffering. God doesn't want to judge. He's forced to judge. When we read it in the Old Testament, because the Old Testament prophets often didn't understand the face of the Father, they made it out as though God got, got pleasure from crushing. But He never gets pleasure from crushing. His desire is that none would perish. But rest assured, those who will not stay pliable will be crushed. I want revival. I don't want judgment to hit this region. I don't want judgment to hit those out there who've not had a chance yet to hear the truth from someone who really believes. And right now, the gospel of Antichrist is being preached on every airwave around the world and in our nation. And in a lot of ways, the voice of the church has been silenced. But Cameron, we still believe. We still believe in a God of mercy. We still believe in a God of righteousness. We still believe in a God of salvation. We still believe it's not over till the trumpet sounds. And we've been given the, the mandate to occupy till he comes. So I can't quit. I can't slow down. I can't back up. I've got to tell the truth. I know we're going over time, but you stay with me, please. This is serious. God promised us revival. And if he's done these other things I read to you today, then it lets me know my heart is soaring that God, his word will not fall to the ground, but he will do what he said he's going to do. He's going to make it happen, ladies and gentlemen. But he needs us to help. He needs us to reach out. He needs us to tell the truth. He needs us to live right. He needs us to live holy. I intend to keep living. I pick on poor Ryan all the time. Come here, brother. It's just because he sits so close. Come here, Pastor Colleen. You stay up here. I know this is going to seem silly. Hold this with that hand. No, hold this to me. There you go. Here's what I want to do. I want to grab somebody in this life and bring them with me. I've got two hands so I can work with two people. And I want to bring them with me. Jesus said go into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. I've got to let them know how important this is. This isn't a game. Your life could be in danger if I don't tell you this. You could end up in judgment if I don't tell you this because a man left to his ways thinks it's right. There's a way that seemeth right unto man, but that way ends in destruction. And I heard an old comedian one time, Christian comedian, say that just before the trumpet sounds, he wants to reach out and grab a sinner in each hand. And as he's sailing through the air to meet with God, he wants to turn to them and say, do you get saved or do I let go? I know that's silly, but this isn't. Grab somebody. Grab somebody. And hold on till they look like Jesus. Hold on till they Amen. understand the word. 
hold on till they can study the word for themselves and, and glean the word for themselves and divide rightly the word for themselves. Grab them and hold on. Amen. Amen. Would you mind taking that out of the way? I'm going to do something totally crazy today. If you're streaming today, God bless you. We're so glad you joined us. Please tune in next week and be with us again. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can simply ask Him in faith and believe what you have prayed. And what you have prayed will translate you into the kingdom of God if your heart truly believes. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Church, pray with me. Lord Jesus, I believe and I understand The world has become misshapen in your view. We want to turn it around. I ask you, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I know you're real. I didn't even need a preacher because your word makes it clear that just by walking through nature, I know there is a God. Come into my heart. Fill up in me the God-shaped hole in my life. Be my God. I will be your child. And I will live for you for the remainder of my days. I'll give you all of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that, please let us know. Please contact us and let us know you prayed. We want to rejoice with you, and we would love to have contact with you to share in your life. We're so glad you listened to this message today. Our goal is to bring hope, encouragement, and help you win, all while building God's kingdom. At Passion Church, we believe in community. If you would like to partner with us in prayer or giving, and send us a message on Facebook or through our website, passionchurchmill.com. We'd love to hear how God is impacting your life through this ministry.